0: Now hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said to him, "Why do you call me good?" No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And the man said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in my sight, of Lord my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been exploring the concepts of humility humanity, and the image of God, as Mark describes the way that Jesus is revealed to the disciples as the Son of Man. Last week, we explored the intended, created purpose of humanity, male and female, in community to be the image and likeness of God in the world. This week, we'll explore the trouble between idolatry and humility as we live out our call to be that image of God. As we rejoin Jesus and the disciples on the pilgrim journey from Galilee to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, we will ask with Mark, who is Jesus? What is missing? And what idols stand as stumbling blocks before us? Who is Jesus? What is missing? And what idols stand as stumbling blocks before us? Let's begin by looking at this question that is central to Mark's Gospel. Who is Jesus? Mark begins his account with the way that he will try to answer this very question. The good news of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of Man. If we read Mark with the early church, This is the questions that the catechumens wrestle with as they hear this very account during the Easter Vigil, as they sit waiting for their baptism on Easter morning. Indeed, this question, who is Jesus, is a question which we still wrestle with. We have the head answer summarized in their creeds and expounded upon in a variety of ways in our theological text. But our reading today challenges us to answer with our heart, Who is Jesus? As the company of Jesus prepares to set out, continuing this journey to Jerusalem and the cross, a man rushes up to Jesus and falls on his knees and asks, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds to the form of address first. He says to the man, Why do you call me good? There is nothing that is good except God alone. Let this response search your heart for a moment. As we heard in our epistle reading, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Take a moment and hear Jesus ask you, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Hear Jesus say, do you believe that I speak with the authority and righteousness of God? Am I one voice among many, or the one voice to which you will listen? Hear Jesus ask, When I answer you, will you do as I say? Who is Jesus and why do we call him good? Why do I call ourselves after his name? You know, when I consulted as a specialist on veterinary cases, one of my great frustrations was the call back. It would usually go something like this. Hey, I'm still having this problem with this dog. And I'd look at my notes and say, well, did you do this and this like I recommended two weeks ago? After a bit of silence, there was usually a response, no. And then, as gently as I could, I'd repeat my recommendation. I can only imagine how frustrated God must get in my prayer life sometimes. And I am thankful that he is far more gentle than I. Am. And this brings us to our second question. What is missing? This is the question that compels this man in our lesson to come to Jesus. What is missing? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And it's the same question that impels us on our spiritual journey. You know, the most distressing day of my life was the day that I accomplished all of my goals. Think about that, the most distressing day of my life was the day that I accomplished all of my goals. From the time I was 12, I wanted to be a veterinarian and that goal drove my academic performance, my choice of college. From the time I entered the army and learned that they'd pay for me to go back to school and get a specialty, that drove my performance, my job selection. I needed to be the one that was chosen. And I was chosen, I completed my residency, and I was in the middle of my dream assignment. And I was looking at that time in an army career when you have to choose your next job, when you call the career manager and they say, what do you want to do next? And I ticked off. And I'd done all the things that I wanted to do. And it was empty with no goal in front of me. Something. Was missing. Good teacher, what is missing? What am I to do? And asking what is missing is the key to understanding Jesus' reply. Jesus turns to the young man and he says, You know the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. If we take defrauding another as the behavioral result of coveting, we see that Jesus has listed six of the ten commandments. These are the horizontal commandments, the commandments of the community, the ones that Jesus summarizes, love your neighbor in the way that you love yourself. So what is missing? Jesus has pointedly left out the vertical commandments. The commandments that he would summarize as, love the Lord your God with all of your being. Have no other gods. Make for yourself no images or idols. Do not misuse or profane the holy name and keep the Sabbath. Is this what is missing for the man in our story? Perhaps. Or perhaps our young man might just as easily respond in the same way that, according to the law, I have kept all of these since my youth. But Jesus looks even deeper. Listen closely to what Mark records. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack but one thing. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Listen to this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Let that sink in for a minute. Jesus looked at the man and loved him. The man lacked nothing. In that moment, there was nothing missing. The man stood in the fullness of love and all that he had to do was receive it. Jesus looked at the man, he loved the man, and then he spoke the truth that would set the man free. You lack nothing, yet your idolatry keeps you from receiving love. You look to your wealth and social status for your identity and security. You seek a substitute small l love to fill what only my love, the big L love at the center of all creation, can fill. If you want to be truly free and experience the fullness of life in the love of God, give up your idols, your wealth, and your status, and put your trust in me. Know the treasures of my love, know the security of my power, know the provision of my hand. Allow me to define your identity as beloved child of God, and you will indeed have the inheritance of heaven. You know, I think Jesus has the same response as we come to him and ask, what is missing? Indeed, we cry out in prayer, what is missing? And if we listen, I think we'll hear this answer in some way will hear, why are you asking me? Do you really believe that I have the answers? Do you have the humility to hear what I will answer? Or will you cling to your idols? If we indeed have that volatile mix of bravery and humility that allows us to accept the truth of the mirror that will be held before us, We will gaze into the eyes of love, and in that love we will see the ways that we seek security, status, worth, value, and identity in the things of this world and not in the things of eternal importance. We will see the ways in which we are imaging the brokenness of this world rather than imaging the holiness of God. We will see and we will have a choice. The same choice as the twelve, as Jesus called them to put down their nets and follow him. The same choice as the man we read about on his knees before Jesus. The same choice as the catechumens in the cave awaiting baptism. The same choice as the church throughout the ages. In humility, will we receive God's love as enough? Lest we be disheartened and sorrowful, let us remember, with us, this is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. May we indeed have the eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are turned to God. As we hear Jesus assure Peter, may we also hear Jesus assure us. That the provision and protection of God is in the people of God. Those who are called and formed by the good news of the kingdom of God into the body of Christ. No longer dwelling in fear or pride or selfishness, but receiving abundantly the love of God, knowing that all things belong to God. Receiving one another as brothers and sisters. Receiving the gifts of creation with open hands receiving even the ridicule, mocking, and persecution of the kingdoms of this world, receiving the capital L love that is poured out for the life of the world on the cross, the same love that is poured into us by the Holy Spirit, the same love that we encounter at this table, and it is this same love that we carry into the world as a witness and testimony to the image of God entrusted to us in the name of the Father and the Son.